You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This is a podcast from ComediansComedian.com. This is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith. And today it's the turn of the Pyjama Men. This is another live show uh, recorded at the Gilded Balloon at this year's Edinburgh Festival uh, with a sketch double act who are among... The, among the, if not the, highest-ranking sketch act in the Western world. I don't know, I'm making ludicrous claims here, but I can back them up. In 2011, their show, uh, I, I forget the name of it, I think we mentioned it on the podcast, they've got very wobbly, uh, unknowable names for their shows, so uh, forgive me for not remembering them. They're sort of deliberately oblique. And But in 2011, their show was the highest-rated, the best-reviewed show at the entire Edinburgh Festival. So uh, I hope you enjoy this. Shanoa and Mark were very kind coming along on their day off. Um, and I'm really pleased with this interview. I think you'll, certainly in comparison to, to recent episodes, uh, it's a lot slower, a lot more thoughtful. It's a bit of a slow burner. But I think throughout the hour, all three of us kind of uncurl and uh, we get some really interesting uh, insight into their dynamic, into their creative process uh, and into the challenges of, of being such a successful festival, global festival-based act. So uh, this is Shanoa and Mark, the Pajama Men. Thank you very much for coming. I should point out that uh, the uh, the pajama men, Shanoa and Mark, are drinking beer because they've agreed to come and do this show on their day off, which is worthy of another round of applause, ladies and gentlemen. It's a excellent work. Uh, we got away with that one, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. Is it your day off? I didn't check. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. No, it, it really is. It absolutely is our day off. How has the festival been going? How's your show this year? Great. Here, you you say some words. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, how's the festival been going? It is, uh, you know, it's amazing. I, uh, I, I, I love this festival. We, you know, we, we kind of, we started our career here, really. I mean, we, we used to tour Canada a lot, and um, we always heard that we had to do the Edinburgh Festival, and we came here in 2004, and we've kind of been coming here ever since. And it's just, yeah, the festival, it's been going great, and I, I feel like it's one of the most dynamic things we get to do in the year. Okay. Like it's, it's, there's so many different things going on and so many other comics you get to meet. And, uh, and we're performing in this old church that's all stone and gothic and okay. exciting to be in. Yeah, I don't know. We're having a great time. Sure. And how, is the, uh, how, how does the Edinburgh Festival fit into your performing year? Is it, is, do, you, do you make a show elsewhere and then bring it here? Or is this a place where you create new material? How, how does it work in your, in, in your year? Uh, kind of both. Um, 
try it's 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 nice to kind of know what you're doing when you get here because it's a very competitive festival uh and you you really want to be on your a game mm-hmm. um so we try not to open a show in edinburgh sure. we have done that uh but it definitely puts the fire under <laughs> uh, sure. if you, if you want to open something here so yeah, we, we, we kind of play it safe and go back to our friends in Albuquerque and perform for them and then get on an international circuit that starts in Australia and kind of move around. Okay. Um, okay. So uh, just it occurs to me just that there may be one or two people here who aren't familiar with, with your work. Could you describe in your own words what exactly what it is that you do? Because y- you are quite unique. I don't really know of any other act like yours. I bet there's more than one or two people who are not familiar <laughs> with us. Uh, if you've heard of us, uh, maybe, I don't know, applaud or something? Or if- See? <laughs> Thanks. You're the only ones of my guests that have tested that theory. Yeah, Some yeah. people I just think are interested. I yeah. mean, it's, it looked, maybe it looked like it was going to rain. Right. So, <laughs> that's fine, too. <laughs> Um, we, uh, yeah, so we're obviously a, a, a duo. Um, we play a lot of characters and we create, uh, it, it basically when you go and watch the show, it looks like just sort of just sketches kind of loosely, uh, uh, weaved together. But as the, uh, the show goes on, um, we reveal that they're all part of the same story and sure. it comes to a, uh, sort of a nice, uh, close at the end. But, mm-hmm. um, really we're just trying to be funny <laughs> sure and the name pajama men is derived from the fact that on stage the two of you wear pajamas you don't use any costumes you don't use any props maybe a couple of chairs and often a live musician yeah so you i was thinking it, it seems like your work has incredibly high production values whilst having nothing <laughs> do you know what i mean it's got it's got a real and people who've seen it will know it has a real sense of of quality because you are, there, there don't seem to be any missteps or fudges. You're kind of, you seem very in control, it's very poised. You seem very virtuoso in your mime and in your comedy and in your improvisation. You're, you're looking at me confusedly, yeah. no, no, but no, I think that's nice. true. Yeah. <laughs> <Thanks a lot. laughs> so, you're, so you're stepping in and out of lots and lots of different characters, having different conversations and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So um, what does, how is this show different to any other you've done? Or is this, is this a sort of a rolling process of... Uh, of your style? Is this the, the next piece in your style or are you trying anything new in the show? Yeah, yeah, I think we are trying uh, new, new things. I mean, it is, it is an evolution of, of uh, how we've been, how we've been uh, doing our shows. When we first began, uh, Shinoa said we were, uh, we were touring the Canadian fringe circuit. So sure. there's fringe festivals kind of all over the place. Uh, this is just the, the first and biggest <laughs> year. Okay. Uh, only that. Um, but it, across Canada, uh, we would we toured these shows that were, uh, there was no real through line um, except for just kind of trying to make kind of a climactic arc of, sure. you, know, put, you know, kind of had this sort of revolution of, a resolution of, uh, um, sort of comedy. <laughs> we just sort of keep it, you know, keep the keep ball in funny. the air. Yeah, yeah okay. Um, but uh, we really got into into you know writing stories and and, and plot and and that kind of thing uh, a few years ago with our shows and so as we as we start writing more and more of these shows they um, they become more and more uh, story driven. Okay, and when you say writing, how do you how do you go about making your material? How do you what's what's the starting point for creating one of your shows? Uh, well, we improvise a lot, um, but we kind of we kind of approach it from a few different ways. Okay, um, we do just kind of go into a studio and improvise and take on characters and um, have no real rules. So we'll have days that are just totally loose, going 
wherever, sometimes nowhere. Okay. Um, and mine material, and we have a couple of notebooks lying around, and anything that we think is interesting or okay. funny. And that's just the two of you in that down. room at that time. Yeah. 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 Uh, and we used to try to kind of like record ourselves and then okay. and then watch it back, but that takes like, then you're kind of rehearsing twice. Like you do it, sure, <laughs> and then you sure, have to okay. like watch it all again. So we just like run over to the side and write things down. Okay. Um, and is that is that quite a disciplined sort of a process? I, I think from yeah, amongst a lot of the, the stand up comics that I speak to, and I know of my own experience as well doing stand up, I I, uh, I find it very difficult to try stuff out in a room on my own. That I've tried that as a process, but do you find do you feel like idiots standing there, the two of you, or is no. does the presence of the other help Wait, you? You will, you will. Sorry, you'll just. Um Get in, you've tried getting into a room and just be like by yourself. Yeah. So I, uh, well. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I'll try anything or, to try and create new right. material. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so like uh, there's, there's a stand-up technique called rant and rave where you set mm -hmm. a timer and you record you just talking, mm -hmm. you know, about a subject, uh, you know, in an excitable kind of way whether you're violently for or against something. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's that sort of process. But it's very difficult to do because you feel like a dick. Y yeah, no, it, <laughs> it sounds like it. Well, no, I mean, I've, I've definitely like tried that just by myself kind of stuff before. Sure. And it, I, yeah, I find it really, it's very weird. Like it, 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 it's a strange way to do a thing. But we have, we, we have each other mm -hmm. um, kind of as an audience at the same time. Okay. Uh, and so when, as we're, as we're uh, improvising or whatever, if you know, one of us laughs, um, just quickly just jot that down. Okay. And then, you know, at the end of the day, you kind of look at the notes, or maybe you wait, or maybe we'll probably wait a couple of weeks, but we, you know, we look at these notes, and half of them are unsalvageable in, sure. the, in this way of just like, well, that was just kind of an improvised, funny like, in the moment, funny in the moment type okay. of thing that can't really work as a planned joke, or else mm -hmm. it'll, just, it'll just fall flat. Mm -hmm. So we lose a lot of kind of material that way. Um, but then, you know, the stuff that, that, that is there, that, that remains, is, is, is what we start, you know, working with. Sure. So how do you know? What, what is it about something? What, how do you make that decision as to which stuff remains? Like, well, can you give us an example from your current show of a, of a piece that was created like that? And what it, what it was about that stuff that made you go, ah, oh, we're onto something here? Uh, well, an example. I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's just jokes, I guess, that sometimes you're like, okay, that's a joke. You're like, sure. That seems like pretty structured, you know? Um, I don't want to tell you our jokes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's definitely a feature of your work is that you've got uh -huh. like really good one-liners yeah. kind of buried yeah. in between, you know, dialogue that sort of seems inconsequential. I remember seeing you at the Pleasance 2 years ago. I don't remember which year it was. And uh, you had a joke that I don't think anyone else noticed. I shouted with laughter and everyone turned and looked at me like I was ruining the show. You said something about... Um, uh, I left a gun in my drawer loaded, so I can't remember if I put any bullets in it. <laughs> That's a hell of a joke, man. That's a yeah. great joke. So, like that. You yeah. did it for us. I, I didn't yeah. have to. That's better. That's, that takes the pressure off. Uh, but, yeah, so, and, and then sometimes it's just a theatrical idea, you know. Um, like, we, our last show, we had these kind of masks that we created using our hands mm -hmm. uh, to create these big alien faces. And so you do some work in front of the mirror, and you're like, okay. That's great. I'll write that down. Um, but we kind of, like I was uh, starting to say before, we sort of approach it from a lot of different directions. This is the improvised side. And then there's like sitting in a cafe, like really trying to hash out what the story is, mm -hmm. like really kind of getting down to the more of like a math problem of how, 
how can these characters link up and mm. where are the payoffs and, and the more of that little kind of connective tissue you find is great. But I feel like what really keeps our work alive is toggling between the two because if we get too story driven, then all the funniness and surprising nature of it disappears. And if we get too wacky and loose, it just doesn't make enough sense. And I, at first, like Mark was saying, you know, we, we thought like, I, 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 I was almost defiantly anti plot. Like mm-hmm. It was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do what everybody else is doing. And you look at stories and you feel like you just hear the same stories again and again and again. And as I get older now, I have much more appreciation for story. But we initially, like when we were younger, we were like, let's just do something that's really anarchic. And then sure. we'll have it, you know, kind of pace it out more in a, in a musical sort of way. The, like kind of the rhythm of the whole show by the end, you would feel like that was our it idea. It would be satisfying like, be because satisfied the rhythm, by yeah. the end because of the pacing was right. Okay. It would be the pacing of a story <laughs> without a plot. Sure. And it went all right, you know, but now we're like really enjoying like the kind of the satisfaction that we have and the audience has when sure. you link these things together and go, oh, look, that thing, that, they, that seed they planted earlier yeah. is now, you know. I think the show, I think the, the one before this one, which had the, was that the time travel plot? There was a time traveler going throughout it. And then this show happens. It was two shows ago. And then this show happens in throughout several different historical periods that then you work out the the connection between them yeah so is that is that quite a sort of a painful process to get everything to fit you said it's kind of almost mathematical it yeah painful for sure um in that it's it's just a really hard time to try to to get the to the the writing process i mean it's not it's fun but it's just these kind of long hours of just like you know, we have a, you know, just like I'm sure a lot of people, you just set a deadline sure. and you know that you have to be on stage in X amount of days. And, and you know, as that deadline gets closer and closer, the hours of the day get longer and longer. Yeah. Um, just in terms of how much we have to start really pushing for. It's the only way, I mean, personally, it really works because we have to, you know, you have to show something. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a painful process, but the like with with any show like for this one this one for example we had a you know a whole set of other like other ideas that just um as we worked through just kind of wasn't working and 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 that happens all the time we just okay. we just kind of we know that and it's really funny to look at how like we'll be like 3 weeks out before performing before opening the show and be like knowing that everything we've got like this is what the show's going to be and but also knowing that in three weeks it's going to be totally different okay and, and and we will have changed quite a lot of it sure and um, do those those changes happen on stage like the it, it's kind of growing on stage or are you still you were saying b- before before we started talking here you were saying that your uh, that it, it's changed since i saw it in melbourne this show and does that do those changes happen on stage, or are you kind of running in the show for a month and then taking it away and pulling it apart and re reworking it? Yeah, the changes definitely happen on stage. It's it's everything. Like like we'll we'll improvise quite a bit during the during the show. Um, the the our favorite shows to do are ones that are um, where mistakes happen and uh, we kind of run with some sure. deal, or we just one of us just starts going off on some new idea and we'll just kind of take it like. A, Love those shows because it just it, yeah. it keeps us, uh, you know, really invested in the performance. Um, and you know, it's like two days ago we we were running long, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and the people at the venue were like, "You guys." Eh, eh. Uh, so we um, uh, we had to you know like just go through and trim some stuff, but that really helps because you can you can kind of cut away the fat. Um, and 
and so we do that all the time. The show kind of expands and contracts uh, uh, all the time. And then we'll, um, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely like look at pieces that like, we'll have jokes that just don't work anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, like it'll be like this thing that was landing really well. And then two weeks later, it'll be nothing. And so we'll, we'll, we'll just like get rid of it, but then we'll need to, you know, sure. like put some new stuff in. And do you ever, do you work with a director ever or an, anyone being an outside <laughs> eye or do you get other, you know, fellow comedians to come and look at it or? Not really. I mean, we kind of, we're kind of a self-made operation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, and sometimes it feels like, you know, maybe it'd be good to have somebody come in. But uh, I don't know. It's tricky. You know, I mean, I think that we're pretty, pretty generous with our work. But at the same time, we're, it's, it's hard to bring a director in. I mean, you know, like when you're a double act that's been developing your own stuff for 14 years, it's kind of like, how are you going to understand our world? But that said, sometimes it's really refreshing to have an outside eye, but sure. not, we don't really do that very much. Okay. We, we tend to kind of just develop it ourselves and hash it out and think about it and sure. struggle with it and grapple with it. And, um, you know, the audience becomes a pretty good director sure. <laughs> with comedy. Like if they're not laughing, it ain't working. Yeah, <laughs> you sure. gotta, you gotta fix it. So, so when you talk about, when you talk about um, a director uh, hypothetically kind of not understanding your world, do you have kind of principles or rules, whether, whether spoken or unspoken, about what it is you do and what it is you don't do? Uh, well, there's kind of a contradiction in it, I think, because we kind of, we don't really ever want to do anything cliche. So we, we really struggle to be original. That said, we have genres in our show that are like the old west or sure. film noir that are like serious cliches um and that and we use that as fuel but there's you know we're not topical we don't make direct references to anything mm-hmm. um so often it's you know people are like you guys are really good at, at physical stuff you should do something about sports i don't give a shit about sports okay. you know like i don't <laughs> it's not exciting to me so yeah i don't know but yeah, I guess I guess I feel like with the, some of the directors that we've kind of worked with, I I I'm always kind of I get resistant to to kind of cliche ideas, and it it seems rampant, especially in entertainment, especially when you're like trying to sell scripts and that kind of stuff, or sure. write film and television. It's like make it the most basic, simple idea that anyone can understand, and then you can sell that. Make it at all interesting. Mm. Good luck, except for like the few shows that are actually great that. That actually somehow both. managed yeah. to penetrate, yeah. Yeah, and so, so I don't know, it's a, it's a real struggle. So, so what sort of, uh, of sketch show, because it's fine, I don't even really kind of put you in the same bracket as a sketch show. I, that's why I sort of feel like you're your own genre, and that may be because you, you avoid some of the, the cliches or the tropes of, of other sketch shows. What, what kind of cliches are you talking about that you, that you try to avoid? What sort of other things do you see that you think, well, that's, you know, we've got to make sure we, we don't do that? Yeah, I mean, we don't, I mean, we, we do a lot of relationship stuff, but it's never like straight up, like, you know, women are crazy and men are stupid. Like, we don't, we just don't do that. And, sure. you know, we don't do like a ton of jokes about like periods, you know, <laughs> like we, we don't do jokes about Is that about a trope how, like, of sketch comedy? Is that- <laughs> yeah, it is. And like, like, we don't do a bunch of sh- jokes about like, oh, well, if you, if you play sports, you're just a bunch of gay guys rolling yeah, around the mud. Like, we don't okay. do that. That's yeah. fucking everybody's That's almost like, that. la- la- like lazy observations. Yeah. You mean? Yeah. 
So, you know, we try to make it really su surprising. And we're, we're also kind of, we're both prone to, like, fantasy and stuff like that. So we're always, like, kind of bringing in, you know, kind of... I, 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 you said to be pretentious, so here yeah, we go. yeah, no, absolutely, uh, <laughs> please do, please do. And don't, uh, yeah, don't, we just, don't we try like to make lived. it. We try to make it as imaginative as possible, and we try yeah. to uh, um, make it, make it new. And I think that we, you know, we're trying to create a style, like, sure. like, and we've been developing our style for a long time. So this is The Pajama Men. I hope you're enjoying this. Uh, as I said, it is a bit of a slow burner, a bit more reflective maybe, but definitely worth sticking with. Um, the Pajama Men are doing a very long run at the Soho Theatre coming up soon. That's 15th of October to Saturday the 23rd of November. So if you've not seen them before, or if you've not seen this show before, I cannot recommend it enough. They, they're so funny. They're such virtuoso performers. And uh, I don't think anybody could could fail to see it and not be moved to laughter or or certainly inspired by by what they do i just think they're absolutely brilliant so thanks to the boys for coming along for this interview which we'll continue with in a moment while you're on the soho theater website however you could also book some tickets to see nish kumar is a comedian uh, he's on there from the 9th to the 21st of december that's the longest run nish has uh, has had at the soho theater thus far and uh, i'd like to help him make it a success so you'll know if you're a regular listener that nish is a friend of the show and of mine and i think he's an absolutely excellent comedian so uh, he's definitely someone this show should be supporting and um, do feel free to now should i say this <laughs> i was gonna say feel free to email in and recommend things like that are happening i don't mind using yeah i don't mind I'd, I'd love to use this show as a as a way of promoting things i like obviously it's a little bit unfair that i'm promoting this just because he's my mate but he is brilliant there's other stuff going on as well however i've just realized that if i open up the floodgates to hey why not email me stuff to promote um then uh, then that could be an error and now I'm trying to think what I should do whilst actually talking to you. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Leave it with me. I'll come up with a system for next time. Don't email me anything. Ah, <laughs> oh, the wonderful world of comedy. So, um, it's talking about things spiralling out of control. The uh, hashtag historical comedians went bananas. Uh, that's the first time I've started something on Twitter, that, on Twitter rather, that's then uh, gone on to have a life of its own uh, where people were sort of uh, hashtagging it to each other all over the place. Very, <laughs> I was going to say very proud of that and ashamed in equal measure um here are the winners there are three uh, winners chosen not entirely at random these are just three of my favorites um uh, mac interesting with marcel lecomte de monte cristo now that's good that's just bloody good i don't care who you are um at impronimus with uh, bonnie prince charlie chuck which I like because it's just daft. And there's nearly always, um, uh, whenever we do these competitions, Rivetmaster sends in hundreds of very, very high quality entries. So this is at Rivetmaster with Gandhi Parsons. That was my favourite of his very high class crop. Well done. All three of you win points. And what do points mean? Nothing. Uh, I haven't asked you for ages to rate me on iTunes. So I'm just going to... Uh, <laughs> that's an odd. That's an odd sentence, isn't it? Suddenly struck. Oi. Rate me on iTunes. Um, I haven't asked you for a while, but uh, I'm asking you again now. If you if you enjoy this show, if you'd like to help me promote it, then please go to iTunes and put a fair, accurate and honest five-star review next to it. Uh, I will accept four, but no lower. Thank you very much. Do that if you haven't done that already. If you want to write a little blurb about the show and why you like or dislike it, then uh, then feel free. That that uh, that facility is there for you, and it will do me some good. It'll help me promote the show and, and get it... Um, 
uh, noticed a bit more. And finally, I'm very pleased and proud to announce that this show has cracked half a million downloads. I'm absolutely blown away. Thank you all so much for that. I, I should point out that's downloads in total rather than listeners. I'm not claiming to have half a million listeners, um, but it's still a milestone for me. I, I nearly said millstone. God, <laughs> that's telling. Um, and partly, so partly as a, a celebration of, of that half a million downloads and partly because, bless you, a few of you keep emailing in and asking me to provide one. Uh, I'm very pleased to say that there is now a donate button on the website. Um, this is my this is my donate button spiel. I'll make it brief. Over the last year and a half of me doing this show, it's kind of become my thing. And I'm glad I've got a thing. I think everyone should have a thing. I'm glad this show has become your thing as well. That makes me really happy. When I think about the amount of time I spend in a car or, or you know, just walking down the street listening to podcasts, and I think about the amount of time I spend with those people on the shows I listen to, and I'm just thrilled to think that you might spend a similar amount of time with me and with my guests. Um, now, you don't owe me anything for this, and I won't try and convince you that you do, but if you feel that this show, The Comedian's Comedian, makes a difference to your art or to your business, or to your life. And if you'd like to support the show, then you can go to the donate button at comedianscomedian.com and you can select the amount that you want to donate. Not everyone can afford to give me a few quid for the show every so often, but I I like to think the people who can afford it pay for the ones who can't. Uh, And finally, there is a special rate for performers. You guys pay double. So think about whatever you think the show is worth, double it, and bang it through PayPal. Uh, And if you've got no money, that's fine. Just do me a favour and give me a rating on iTunes. I'd really appreciate that. So, um, yeah, good Good. Let's get back to the pajama men. So we met in high school, mm-hmm. um, and uh, uh, and <laughs> after we graduated, uh, Shanoa called me, and then this like little did I know that this phone call I would get would be kind of like a reoccurring thing that happened for the rest of my life. Uh, where he, he called me one morning and he was like, hey, there's an improv group uh, audition. You want to come? I would not have known about this. <laughs> I was like, eh, it's 9 a.m. And he was like, he was like, he's like, come on and, and audition for this. And I just had no idea what I was getting into. But we we went and auditioned for this uh, this improv group that um, in Albuquerque um, that a does not boast a comedy scene at all, let alone an improv sure. scene. You know, it's a very small city. There's just not a lot of that kind of thing going on. But um, it didn't matter. Like we, I, we just wanted to do it for the fun of doing it. And so we did that. And we got into that, and um, and that is kind of where the improv background uh, begins okay. and ends. It was like we not ends necessarily, but we're, we were. It was this. It was this group where uh, the director of it was very interested in not just the the comedy side of improv but like the the serious and poetic side of like doing these and he, what his vision was was to do these these you know these long form improvs that okay. had kind of everything I don't, I've never in. heard of serious improv before I've only ever known improv as a as a tool well there's for a comedy. reason that you yeah. have <laughs> <laughs> because nobody wants to go see like some crappy scene laid out between a you know a, this is just isn't working I know yeah. <laughs> great <laughs> um, um, uh, but it, we, so we, uh, Chanel and I, uh, really like tended to do comedy during this thing. And we were, and we were always on stage together. They called us the molecule brothers, I think, um, mm-hmm. which was like a, almost a, a name that we were going to take, but it was too close to some other thing. Too close to umbilical. Yeah. It was too close to umbilical yeah, brothers. Sure. That's it. Well, yeah. Um, and so, uh, we, um, uh, 
we were just on stage all the time together. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever Chanel would go on, I'd be like, oh, that's my cue. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do a scene with him. <laughs> it was the most fun. Um, and then, uh, so that, yeah, so we, you know, the, basically the director of that, of that uh, uh, improv group got a, um, a book by Viola Spolin called... Uh, Improvisation for Theater. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, he took... He just read the, you know, every exercise in it, and we did that for two or three months leading up to our first performance. And it was a really great training just okay. in terms of how to do improv. Um, we did that, and then uh, that ran for a little bit, and then we just that group was kind of off and on. And, uh, and then later on, Shanoa and I, there was a, um, a late-night variety show uh, in Albuquerque run by a theater company that uh, Shanoa was a part of at the time called uh the reptilian lounge mm-hmm. uh that went on uh it started really late and we would always close the show by doing our bit we were we were called sabotage at the time okay. um, and we would basically we would you know we would sign up to do it on the saturday and we would go up the hall when the show started and just like have a couple of ideas mm-hmm. and and string them together and then the rest would be improvised and we would go on stage at the end and you know, kill it, sure, sure, <laughs> uh, or not. No, it was, it was it was great. I mean, it, it was it was it was it was good enough that it always felt like like it was enough to make us go, "This is working." Mm-hmm. And we and then uh, we were going to do. Um, we decided to do a, a one hour show, and again another thing, get the call. And I was like, Chinoa had gone to school at a, a, a conservatory called Del Arte in okay. Northern California uh, for. Um, Physical, physical theater, theater yeah. Uh, and he had caught wind of this fringe circuit in Canada, and he was like, let's go and do that. And I was I like, oh, it's 9 a.m. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So we, uh, we wrote a show to do that. Uh, okay. to that. And that, doing the one-hour show, that was kind of the, the start. And the first time we ever performed in front of people that weren't for sure our friends in the audience was mm-hmm. in Toronto um, in the year 2000. Uh, okay. We we did a show and it was like thirty people, and I was we were <laughs> Shanoa vomited on the <laughs> on the way to the show. Uh, oh my god! From nervousness. Nervous, okay. Um, because you you'd been performing together for a long time, but only ever in front of a. Well, safe I mean, it had been, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I get, we were twenty two years old. I don't know how old somewhere around there. Okay. <coughs> Yeah, and we yeah we had we just didn't have a lot of experience. We always knew at least one person at our improv shows or at our late night shows and whatever. And this was like a city that's so much bigger than Albuquerque. We're from Albuquerque, and Albuquerque is a little desert town. And the place that we performed was in a in a little strip mall. Like there was this kind of little crack den of a black box theater at the end of the strip mall, and um, we were used to that. Like we were used to the few people that show up and be excited and come see us every week. And sure. We knew most of their names. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so like being in Toronto, like look at the buildings. <laughs> uh, and we were, I was carrying the sandwich board because these French festivals, like you really have to promote yourself. And I was carrying the sandwich board that had our posters that we'd made ourselves on it. And like, just like brought it and like I was carrying it. And I, just got so nervous that he just vomited in the street, like <laughs> carrying. This, like, here's our show. It, was that was that just the reaction, like as in the the nerves of the fear of failure, or was it that you felt like this is this is? It, I think it was I the was importance. excited. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I think I was like really excited. Did like, you feel oh like God, it was your? It, this is our ticket out of Albuquerque. We're going to go and you know take on the world. Uh, I, well, I I had no idea, but it certainly became our ticket out of Albuquerque, and we uh. 
because it worked. Like the people showed up and we got a re- our first review and it was pretty good. And okay. Like, people started coming and then and then we were like, we're selling tickets, we're making money. And I, you know, a few years later, we were able to do it full time. You know, we, we kind of the Canadian circuit was like, wow, you can actually just you could just go, go from, from do festival theater. to festival. Yeah. Okay. And were you trying to emulate, were you aware of other, other kind of sketch groups around at the time that, you, that had inspired you when you were younger? I mean, what kind of comedy were you into when you were younger? Uh, yeah, I mean, there just was I, mean, I, think it's kind of, I think it's kind of a blessing that we grew up in the weird little town that we did because there, there weren't a lot of examples. Mm. Um, you know, we kind of knew of Second City. I think Mark had a greater knowledge of it than I did. Wasn't totally aware. I just knew there was like a cool improv company in Chicago. Um, but I, I hadn't seen anything they'd done. And, um, there, there's no scene in, in Albuquerque. Like mm-hmm. you have to make it happen sure. yourself there. And we kind of did. And, and, and I think that our, our style is more unique because we didn't have that many examples. That said, tons of people absolutely inspire us and you know it's not like we grew up in a complete vacuum i uh i guess my bigger influences are eddie murphy's kind of a huge one for me and i don't think what i'm doing now is really like what eddie murphy sure was that's doing. quite an but, unusual but, uh, influence for a for a sketch person to yeah but he was also he was so like his early stand-up he, he is full of a lot of different voices and characters mm. and really exaggerated and i had delirious on cassette and i used to listen to it like fall asleep to it sure. <laughs> just repeatedly i knew it by heart yeah and i would do routines from it for my cousins and stuff and, you know when i was like 12 yeah so I, that definitely <laughs> uk listeners will be me. interested to know i did the same thing with lenny henry <laughs> it's a little bit, little bit less cooler really. <laughs> uh yeah i don't know you want to talk about your influence oh sure um yeah a, a ton of different stuff i guess uh when i but i i want like i remember watching movies like top secret and uh, mm. airplane and like those like uh the zucker brothers mm-hmm. who, who do these like re- like really just literal interpretations of things that always killed me like yeah. i loved it i would be so excited to watch those movies and i would just be like oh my gosh what are, how are they going to turn this around like the most every- insane sight gags like the one i was thinking of in top secret is the the german soldier falling off the battlements that, that then shatters that one that one <laughs> fucked me up yeah. like, I, I, I remember my sister I wasn't old enough to go see it and my sister went and saw it and when she came back I was like full of questions okay. and I was like do they explain why he shatters yeah. and she was like no and I was like I couldn't be- my mind was blown like I was just I couldn't believe that it was just if you've not, for the thing if you've not seen the movie there's a, a German soldier parading at the top of these battlements and he falls it's over so and you see at the top of the fall you see from below him go ah oh, like that and then you see him from above and they've made a ceramic version of the guy and they just drop it and explodes it to fragments that's the, funny guys the effect, <laughs> the effect is just amazing because it it's just looks like it, the, this guy just jumps off a building or gets thrown off a building and yeah. shatters to a million pieces it's just like so like whoa but th- that kind of stuff was uh, and i remember my brother got me um the police squad movies which is what yeah. naked gun was was based on or you know followed anyway i don't know what i'm saying um anyway it was a great great and i just loved that kind of stuff I, and and I think it's really apparent, like, like when I'm like when we're doing our stuff or I'm writing jokes or whatever. It's all, it's always really like how can like like the gun loaded thing. I mean, that's exactly yeah. like yeah, it's like, a very naked gun. You know, sort of it's a just police story it's joke. just t- turning this you know an idea into sure uh, 
just something completely different. And that was a big deal. But with, with the one-liners like that, just to stay with that for a moment, that, that, surely that's not something that you blurted out whilst improvising. Like those individual I remember jokes. exactly that joke. We were listening to a, um, uh, a film noir radio play. And the, the half the line was in it. Okay, he was, he was like, gotcha. I left a gun in the in the in the bureau loaded, and I think I said. So I don't yeah. remember if I put any bullets in it. Or yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and but that, we'll do that. Like, well, when we were writing this show, we were watching bad movies and and okay. just and doing that that kind of commentary thing, mm -hmm. which is one of my favorite things to do with Shanoa. Like, sure. it, like it, it's so much fun. Like, we just sit and watch sometimes really great movies too. Yeah. Or like whatever, but we'll. If they're going to be bad, they have to be re like bad enough that it's that it's not funny bad. Like yeah, okay. just like because if it's so bad that it's like in itself its own work of art, then you just watch it. Sure, like, this is crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if it's like just kind of like bad enough, for, or like like how do they get away with making? Like who gave them the money? Yeah, and you're just like then, then you you it's just really fun to you know just to insert lines and poke fun or whatever. That sounds like a really fun way to make your living, like to do the creative part of it or some of the creative part of it yeah. to kind of comment yeah. up. Have you got any other sort that, of strategies that, like that? that that's, yeah, that's like the easiest kind of, I mean, <laughs> we probably do that for about a hundred hours and mine three jokes out yeah. of it and <laughs> sure. have a great time doing it. Yeah. But I guess, it, you know, it does like sort of inform things in, in other ways maybe, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean... I always try to carry a notebook and write things down. We we do this thing to each other where if one, if we're out and one of us says something that's like a joke that you think could withstand or like they could stand on its own, uh, then it's like write that down. That sure. was funny. Write, sure. write it down. Um, like I called a skull a bowl of ideas. Yeah, I was, was like last night. Uh, you were like you're like uh, oh I'll put that in the bowl of ideas. Otherwise known as a skull, which <laughs> which is just you know it's not a wildly exciting joke maybe, but it was just like all right, I'll write it down. I'll write yeah, it down. okay. And then, so there's always like little things like that if they seem like they have something to them. Sure. Try to put them in, but then kind of on the darker side of of things, or not necessarily darker, but maybe the more uh, serious side is it, we we also kind of confront things about ourselves in our work and then you would never know that like when you watch it you would never okay. and you can kind of tell that maybe i mean there's really obvious jokes in our show about procrastination and alcoholism and stuff like that sure but you wouldn't know that we were like man let's write about this shit because these are the things that could destroy our lives or we'll keep it going you know okay. and, and so uh and like so, the, so and that, the, and the show before this one was like all about loss and what it means to be alone all the time because mm. you know we live our lives on the road and we spend a lot of time solitary and so we, we you know like i think mark first suggested like let's do something where we're in a space capsule or something mm. so we can kind of address like what it means to just be by yourself all the time it ended up it ended up not being like about a space capsule or anything like that but sure but you could we see afterwards with of, those things in mind you could you could look back and say oh that idea came from yeah, this, well, I think sort of a deliberate starting point rather yeah. than just kind of rather than just like a, a tombola of ideas. Yeah, you, you're trying to make work about specific or trying to explore specific emotions. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, I think starting in a true place is is good because um, it's really, especially for what we do, it's so easy to get 
just to the wrong side of corny. And as soon as it slips over into like just really corny, you <laughs> kind of get bad and cutesy and too many puns and just kind of turn into this thing. It's like, that's not quite a good show anymore. <laughs> that's a lot of he's, crappy he's, jokes with no uh, heart or anything. Do, so. do you think your ideas of quality control are matched? Does one of you tend to be the first person to say we're, we're bidding that? Does you, what, what's the dynamic between you in terms of if, you, if you're not with a director and it's the two of you, do you ever clash on, you know, we've each got one vote? I, I think we really both agree on like comedy, like what is funny and what can stay and like what, like we really do. I think Shanoa is attention to detail is greater than mine. Okay. <laughs> so, so it, it, is that because of his conservatory training? Uh, <laughs> I don't, I, I think maybe he went and did conservatory training because of his... Okay, like, the other way around. Uh, yeah, gotcha. But, uh, uh, I, yeah, I think that um, if I can get something past Shinoa, I'm always like, yes. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. Like, that's going to that's gonna work then. Sure. Um, but I think that the way, that the reason why we we work well together is, it, is all down to just a common worldview and understanding of what we think is cool and not cool sure. or whatever you know sure. like, like what what you know if we didn't have that it would just be you know it'd be very very hard mm -hmm. um so yeah uh, we I, I feel like we really complement each other in that way like because mark's a very light-hearted person mm -hmm. uh and i'm not i'm angry and upset all the time and what are you angry and upset about? Uh, well, if I knew, I'd fix it, maybe. <laughs> uh, I want more. I want to be. I want more out of myself. I set a high standard and I can't reach it. You know. And okay. It's like, yeah. Sure. Uh, and and Mark's a lot more bubbly and fun. And 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 I also think that sometimes I get too intense about my ideas. And Mark's like, "What if we do this ridiculous thing?" And that turns into the thing that's like the most memorable thing in the show. Sure. Okay. Uh, so I can overdo it sometimes with that stuff and like try too hard and be just too desperate about yeah. it. And then it's like, oh, you can actually just let, let it breathe a little sure. and it'll be a lot more fun. <laughs> I used to work in a, in a double act in, in the street uh, from about 97 for five or six years. And I can really relate to being the that one in the double mm. act. I had my partner, Noel, my best mate, who we did street shows and juggling shows together. Uh, he was always the person that would do, that would say, hey, it, it's okay, let's just do something silly. It's fine, it doesn't matter. And right. I was the one kind of going, no, but I've, I've got my ideas and I have to get this stuff across in my juggling show. Do you know what I mean? And, uh, and I just think it's interesting, the dynamic for this relationship to have lasted as long as it has, that there's obviously a lot of love between you for, for each other and for the work you're doing. Um, I don't. I don't. Really, I don't know. There's, there's not a question at the end of this. I just wanted yeah, to go. Oh, yeah. I totally respect. Yeah, I totally get that. Isn't it great that you've got someone who could sort of cheer you up and get you out of it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you know, I, it, it, there's also I don't know. Yeah, Mark can kind of breathe like this uh, silliness into into things. I think I'm repeating myself. That just. Yeah, it really keeps the ball in the air. I think I have a propensity to go too intense, and you know, I like I like to play dark villainous characters. And sure. I like to get really crazy. And if you don't have somebody being cute and funny next to that, you're just looking at a fucking crazy guy up there. <laughs> sure, sure. And <laughs> you kind of need the you kind of need the balance. You kind of need that balance. Sure. And do you, I mean, how do you feel about your end of, th of that relationship? Do you feel like you're uh, helping Shanoa from not 
you know, going sort of too I, far I don't things. think of it that way. I don't think I'm like, good thing I'm here. Like, sure. <laughs> oh, this would be really weird if it wasn't for me. <laughs> no, no. I, I think that, uh, uh, you know, on the other side, yeah, it's just, it's so nice to have like really like that artistically like driven, like just, there's just nothing. It just, it, it, it's so, it's at a very safe place to know that there's no, like just the filter that that he has sure. you know it, anything that gets through that is quality in my estimate you know like in a, and so it, like running things by or like or like you know doing a show and he's like i think we should we should cut this or do that mm-hmm. and we you know we'll we'll argue about certain like whatever minutia of like what we're dealing with you know mm-hmm. just the way the process is but you know if it if you know if i have an idea and he's like oh yeah I'm like oh that was <laughs> oh, it must, must be good. Must be a good idea. Yeah, Look sure. at me. <laughs> like, I didn't have to like, like you know, bring out like the seven like arguments I had in the sure. back of my like. Sure. I think we should do this. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Yeah. And so, so, but so, are those the exception or the rule? I mean, do you argue on things? Are you sort of trying to? Do you do you try? Do you ever have to try and win over the other one to your idea? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. yeah. For sure. Um, I remember uh, we did a show where I, I was doing this cute thing. Like, yeah. Which, yeah. If you, you guys are just like, that looks stupid. And yeah. that's what he <laughs> thought. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of my favorite bits of I that know. show. I and that's totally the, wrong. Totally. And that's, <laughs> like, that's one of those bits that everyone I know saw that with a big group of friends. And we still do that to each other. Yeah. You know, that's a really memorable. So that was a pretty important lesson for me. Because <laughs> like, I was like... That's so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just didn't, I was like, what are you doing? You're just being, oh, I'm so cute. Like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> and it never and resolved. It just it killed. Nev- like, it really, like, it really, like, people like cute things. Like, yeah. And it it really landed. And, and now, like, that, I don't, like, I have a whole relationship with that thing now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it travels with us. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, and it's also it's great to be wrong about things like that and go, oh, yeah, not everything like I was saying before, not everything has to have this kind of intensity. You can go, I'm so small, and that's maybe that's enough. Maybe that's great. Sure. And what I really liked about that was it never resolved. We never really found out what the cute what it thing was. was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought that was. I mean, this is going to sound a ludicrous word, but I did think it was quite brave. Like artistically, it was it had integrity to not reveal what that thing was. Right, and I yeah. think that's part of your quality control. Do you know what I mean? It's not all there on a plate. It's not all spelt out. And yeah. I think that's something. I mean, that's one of the things I, I hadn't realised this at the time. But apparently, your show last year at Edinburgh was the best reviewed show in the whole of the festival in terms of year stars yeah, per review. Yeah, we we did an improv show last year that oh, <laughs> that, that was that was not okay. the best yeah. reviewed yeah. show. Yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> yeah, um, that was uh, that wasn't the, that show. That was uh, the the uh, last stand of reason. Last, uh, that was the last. The, the one with the cute thing is called the last stand of reason. The one we the one in from, the middle of no one. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. And so, yeah. do you does that create a weight of expectation when you're getting such fantastic reviews? Your first, you were nominated for newcomer on your very first trip uh, over here. Um, and over, you, you've been getting better and better and better. Do, do you find yourself thinking, okay, we've got to we've got to bring another show next year? How are we gonna How are we gonna keep the rate up? How are we gonna? Yeah, I mean, I think what we're, we de- we deal with is just the the being compared to ourselves sure. kind of problem. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that I mean, I don't it. 
it, we've been talking about it a little bit, it just in terms of like, you know, we, this is, you know, we're evolving, I would like to think. I think we're getting better. I, I remember talking to Shinoa like 10 years ago and saying in a bar in Blue Lake where he went to school uh, and saying, I want to like 10 years from now look back at myself and think I was stupid. <laughs> yeah. You know, okay. like I, I just, and I still want that. You know, yeah. I still want to be like, how, you know, I, how much I've grown. Uh, and, and I believe, I'm, and I'm happy to say that I think that's happened. You, mm-hmm. know? And, you know, I don't think of that guy 10 years ago as being stupid, but like, like how did, like, we were doing that? Sure. Like, why, how okay. did we, why was that allowed, you know, uh, on stage or whatever? Like, that's, um, and so, and yeah, there is a, there is a big expectation, I guess, but it's, it's mostly, um, uh, I don't know. I, it, you know, we're 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 doing work that we find like worth like worthwhile. Like like like, mm-hmm. like this is what we're, we we want to do this, and and we'll get these reviews, which I rarely we'll get these things like same old. They're doing their thing, yeah. You know, and it's like yeah, we're doing our thing. Yeah. <laughs> like this is our thing that we're doing. You know, and and it, it's this negative thing. Like 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 why don't like what do they want? Like are we supposed to like throw all this stuff away and like come back and be like, and now a juggling show. Sure, <laughs> sure. like, what are, so I, I think that's, that kind of happens. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm just kind of going to repeat Mark a little bit, but it, yeah, it is, it is a, it is a, a little frustrating, but I mean, I guess we do have to evolve, but yeah, we really do look at it as like, we've been developing this style for a long time and we're just trying to improve on the thing that we do. Um, so we haven't been trying to like reinvent ourselves. We've been trying to improve Mm-hmm. our show in in the way we do it and the way we tell our stories and uh and you do feel a little bit like when you're like and not, here's more pretension but when you're like all right there's a ton of different characters there's a ton of jokes in it like sure. a lot there's not yeah. a lot of filler in our show you know it's like absolutely jokes jokes, jokes. And, and and the jokes and are getting the jokes better are in, better year in year. context and they're in scenes and sure. you know we create this little tapestry of what we do and we try to make it as unique as possible. And then, and then, so we do that and maybe it's similar in shape to our, our previous shows. The story's totally different, the material's totally different, but you can see that it's our style. And we get a little stung for that. But a stand-up doesn't get stung for like, oh, there he is again with his microphone. Sure, I can. There he is, doing yeah. that thing. Yeah. Like, you, so that's a little bit, I think it's a little bit sure. unfair. But, that said, it's not like we've been getting killed by the press. Like we've been doing well. They they just make a little comment somewhere in there that's like, but if you've seen them before, then yeah, okay, you'll know that you're you know you get yeah. yourself. In, which doesn't I think, seem like bad. I think sometimes but. that that accusation does get leveled at, at stand-up comedians, but maybe in a different way. Mm-hmm. That you kind of go, okay, this guy is on his particular bandwagon. This particular right. act is yeah. still hammering stuff about his personality, or this uh, this act is having stuff about her religion or her background. Or yeah, that's true. Yeah. But but it's a case of whether or not the act, the individual or, or the group or whoever can kind of continue to grow. I mean, do you think, do you look back at previous work and like you were saying, looking back at uh, uh, older shows and going, what are we thinking? Do, is there stuff that you think of, oh, yeah. that, that was a mistake. We shouldn't have done that. Ah, uh, no. I mean, I don't, I don't think we're that hard on ourselves. <laughs> we shouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> Shame. <laughs> bad joke. <laughs> Mark does this thing where he's like, bad joke, bad, bad, bad. <laughs> Take that outside. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, but you definitely, like, if we watch our old stuff, it's embarrassing to watch. You're like, oh, God. Sure. Uh. <laughs>
I wanted to ask you about something I, I saw you guys do in uh, the festival club in Melbourne earlier this year, where you were emceeing uh, Fringe Club. And you were emceeing it. I just caught the end of it, and I, I didn't know if you'd been doing it all night, but you were stood next to each other with one microphone, speaking at the same time, <laughs> kind of improvising what you were saying. Is that, is that a technique you often do? Is that a thing you were trying that night? Uh, no, that... that where did that come it's from? Yeah, it's a Second City game called the Two-Headed Monster or sometimes the Two-Headed Man. Okay. <laughs> um, but it's, it's essentially like we just, yeah, we just talk at the same time yeah, and each other and, and answer questions that people have for us. Okay. It's just really fun to do. And well, like we just did it last night uh, in McEwen Hall. We, uh, we did some bits and then we ended it with, with the two-headed monster. And, okay. like, and it's always, it's like, especially if we're not doing a full improv show, you know, it, like to get the audience kind of like, and now it's your turn to ask questions. And we just yeah, say that sure. we, like, we just say that we know everything. Okay. I know everything as this one unit. Um, but it's, it's so fun because they, they'll, they'll, we always get, you know, what's the meaning of life? But last night there were some great questions like, how do you make a milkshake? <laughs> and, and then, and then it's just, it, you know, it's this great kind of almost metaphor for how we work where it's like, we both have these ideas and then there's a third idea that happens when sure. it's the two of us talking. And I, and I mean, I think that's just kind of what our show is as well. Excellent. Um, so, any uh, you've, you've had time to think? Uh, any questions? Yes, one over here. If you if you ask me, I'll just say it again for the sake of the recording. Good, good question. Why did you? Uh, uh, why was it Mark that you were calling in particular when you were? I don't know. Look at him. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, that guy looks funny. Because <laughs> um, actually, the first time we met, I we went to high school together, and. I was walking past the Performing Arts Center in our high school, and there were auditions for an improv group in there, and Mark was already in there. Uh, so this was like previous to what we were talking about before. And I saw the drama teacher, and I was like, what's going on? She was like, we're going to make an improv team. And I saw Mark, and I was like, you want to audition together? <laughs> and like, so the first thing we ever did, like I'd seen him around, and I was like, that guy looks like a good guy to do a scene with. <laughs> so the first thing we, the first interaction we ever had was like, on, on our high school stage. And I don't know what that scene was, but it'd be great to see that. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I guess it, we hit it off in high school. And all, already, like when we were young, our relationship before we started performing together was always in this weird sort of uh, um, kind of avatar is not really the right word, but we, taking on different personalities, like this kind of all the time, just messing around in different mm. voices and so much of our relationship wasn't us talking to each other it was us talking to each other in character voices and creating these epic soap operas <laughs> uh just screwing around and yeah it seemed like a natural thing to do to be improvising together and just kept evolving like that how much time in the year do you spend together? I mean, you, you seem to, if, if you're still doing Australian, British, Canadian festivals, other festivals presumably as well, are you on a sort of a, a festival circuit of going round and round the world working together all year? Yeah, um, yeah, we really are. Uh, so is that, is that we, we live in different cities, like Mark lives in Vancouver and I live okay. in London. And uh, Yeah, it is tiring. 
<laughs> is that what you said? Is is it, yeah, tired? it is. Is, it, is that exhausting? Yeah. I mean, I've done yeah. sort of four yeah, festivals like, this year. It's and I really feel like hard I'm to like, You know, we're both in relationships. and It's mm. tricky. You know, like it sucks to leave your girlfriend and be like, hey, see you in a couple of months. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Unless you want to fly to Australia, yeah, which is really far away from everything. You know? <laughs> so, is, is there any way around that in your future, in your sort of the plan for the next five, ten, or fifteen years? Is there, is there a solution? Is there is there a way that you can make work that doesn't mean trekking and touring around the globe? Are you are you well, planning that? I think we're kidding ourselves, but we really want to start. Uh, I think we're kidding ourselves in thinking that it's going to be like less traveling around. But you know, I think our next big move is to make films and. Uh, I think we'll probably be just as busy and moving around just as much. Sure. But I like to tell okay. myself that, like, oh, well, when we're making films, we can just come home to our ladies and do that. During <laughs> and it's like the hardest, most time-consuming. I mean, it's not the hardest. What a luxury to even be able to do something like that. But, you know, it's a very time-consuming thing to try to do that kind of work, too. So I, I don't know. It's, it's part of the deal. Like, sure. if you're going to do this kind of stuff, you really have to be committed to it. And it's not every element of that is... Savory. Are you happy? Yeah. No, I mean, not at all. But, like, <laughs> but I find my life interesting. Happy is kind of not the right word I would, I would use to describe myself. But I, I love being alive, and I, I'm excited about what we're doing. And, you know, but happy, I, I'm happy. Like, I laugh a lot and stuff like that, but I... I I'm so tortured as well. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, this is something that the, the, the show often goes into. I've got my own, you know, tortured processes, my own anxiety about my comedy work, about all, all the stuff I do. And I think it's at its worst when you're tired. And it's, at, you know, when, when you've, whenever anyone is trying to create stuff, and I know a lot of creative people in different fields listen to this podcast, one of my preoccupations is how do you maintain, what, what's, how do you keep a balance between wanting to be artistically satisfied and creative and take those risks, which inevitably involves lots of traveling and time on your own and all the rest of it, and how do you stay happy at the same time? As, as the bubbly one, Mark, have you got any solutions <laughs> on that? Have you got an approach to that? Um, I, I don't know if I have an approach. I actually, I, like, I, I, I do feel you know, happy, like, like basically like I feel pretty, <laughs> um, but that, you know, that doesn't mean that I'm not affected by the, you know, torrents of shit that, you know, that, that, that are, that are, that happen, you know, sure. like it's, it's, it's not like I'm just blissfully unaware or ignorant to, uh, uh, the struggles of life. Um, sure. uh, but, uh, I, I really, um, I feel like I have a – a lot of comedians that I've talked to kind of have this personality trait where um, I'm happiest when everyone is happy. Yeah. And, and that's hard. That, that's a hard kind of deal because it's like it's like kind of make sure everyone's okay kind of thing. And it like it, it's not always working. Sure. And, and it's not my business either. You know, it's like what, what difference does it make if this room, if this guy's struggling with something mm. and like – um, but I get affected by that, like very, like it's just this thing. Um, it's been since I was a baby, you know. Um, so that that's just like this weird anxiety I have, or something. Mm. Like this weird kind of like. But is, it, is it approval? Do you think that's that's a very stand-up trait to be sort of to have the need for approval? Yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's related to that, mm -hmm. um, where you know I want you know, everyone to be like smiling and laughing, like, great, everything's working out. Sure. Uh, and I, you know, I, I think it doesn't take a 
rocket psychologist. <laughs> they go, <laughs> <laughs> they go that, that. Write, write that down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. But yeah, to answer your question, I, 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 I'm, you know, I have my own like deal with just like, uh, sure is hard to always be living out of a suitcase. In my suitcase, it looks like me. Like it's like just frayed and like falling apart. And it's just this like thing that I look at, uh, need a new suitcase. Or I need to stop traveling so much. Sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, okay. I'm happy, great. Woo. Excellent question. What what do you think you'd be doing if you weren't doing comedy? I don't know. Besides spending uh, lots of time with your girlfriends yeah. and having a good night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like that changes for me like every day. You know, like I think probably the why, the reason I went into the arts is I, I, I get so excited about so many things. And uh, so I'm very susceptible to inspiration. And that's not always the most productive thing in the world. Like... Any, like I'm like, oh, look at that guy. That guy works with lions. I should work with lions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <totally. laughs> you know, it's like anything. You're like, um, so like I'm like this huge legend in my own mind of like I could be a politician. I could be you know a great like engineer. Like all these things. I I sort of fancy myself an engineer, even though like I suck at math. <laughs> but hey. If you need a door fixed with a plastic fork, I'm your guy. <laughs> you know, like that kind of engineering. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know. I think I'm in the right place in, in the arts because I think that I, I find the world interesting and I find people interesting. I'm so in awe of them. But I think it took me a while to realize, like, oh, you know what, man, <laughs> you're not going to be president. <laughs> You didn't even go to college. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you, 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 you kind of have to accept like, kind of where you are. But I don't know. Maybe I'd teach. I like teaching. I don't know. Uh, I, yeah, geez. I would, um, I'm really, really glad I'm doing comedy. Because sure. I, uh, when I went to school initially to study math, uh, incidentally, um, and it, I wasn't good enough at it. Like, the, the, the people in my classes were there was there's talented people in math, which kind of blew me away. It's like not they weren't just good at it; they were creative. Yeah. And I was like, "How do you? How does this work?" And I I was just good enough that it was like I could do it. Sure. Um, and then I was like, "There's something I'm not just good enough that I can do and do it, and that's be funny." And like, mm -hmm. and I was like, "Why am I doing something?" And so I. Uh, uh, I made, yeah, I made this sort of turn in my university career. I ended up graduating, but like I got like I was like I had all these credits in all these different areas because I did a lot of physics and stuff, and then like I mm -hmm. like quit that mm -hmm. and then got an English degree. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I used to think I was going to be. Then I thought I was going to be a lawyer because <laughs> my mom was like, maybe you could be a lawyer, and I was like, it's a great idea, mom. Well, I have no interest in this, uh, <laughs> and yeah, I. I don't know. I know that I would, whatever it would be, I would be depressed <laughs> um, because I, I, I just can't imagine. Like I just can't imagine doing something else. Well, you're fired. So. <laughs> <laughs> and on Sorry. that bombshell, ladies Stop and break. gentlemen, <laughs> we, we have managed to split up the pajama men. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for coming, uh, Mark and Shanoa, the pajama men. Thank mm -hmm. you.
So thank you to the pyjama men, Mark and Shanoa there, for coming along on their day off and for being so candid as well and, uh, and so open uh, with me during the interview. I really enjoyed that process and uh, I've been a huge fan of their work for years. So uh, it was really thrilling to speak to them. Uh, thank you as ever to Dan Melrose for the music, to So Television for their help in producing the Edinburgh run uh, and to Pete Jones on camera and James Lowey, on, uh, otherwise known as Pegs, on the desk. I was going to say James Lowey Pegs, but what I mean is James Pegs Lowey on the desk during that live show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith. Keep listening. You can tweet me at ComComPod or email me info at comedianscomedian.com. Go to the website. If you fancy leaving a donation, please click that PayPal button. And uh, if you've got no money, rate me on iTunes. That seems like a sensible trade-off, but actually I'm manipulating you there into a decision, neither of which you have to do. But uh, I'd really appreciate your support one way or another. Thanks very much for listening. I'll speak to you soon. (laughs) 